So a little bit of a different conversation today just because it's an extension of last week. And when I finished last week's conversation, I wasn't thinking about doing this extension. Um, but here I am. So my friend Jordan is an EA in Saskatoon. He's been doing that for a little bit now. Uh, and so we have some interesting conversations, different perspectives. I've been a teacher. I'm subbing. He's, you know, been a EA sub, and now he's, like, got a contract as an EA in a school that I'm a little bit familiar with, but I've never um, been, like, really on the inside. I'm only familiar of it through its reputation in Saskatoon. Um, and, and I guess I have a, a friend who also taught there for a bit, and we've had some discussions about experiences there. But... He kind of challenged me and asked me, like, if this was the context, um, if this was the scenario, that, like, the one that I'm experiencing now, and you were in it as a teacher, would you feel fulfilled? Would you feel like you'd be able to handle it? Like, that was kind of the conversation I felt, like, challenged to think about that. Like, what is my ideal teaching scenario? Um, I feel as though I have approached this topic before. I looked throughout my list of conversations, and I don't see it there. I'm assuming I talked about it very casually in a vlog somewhere and I feel like it wasn't that long ago but I just I don't I don't know and so I thought this is a little bit of a different context anyway and I feel like my thoughts and feelings might have a more of a resolution now than they did then this is also gonna be a little bit of a different conversation besides the fact that it's just like this like it was a natural extension that I wasn't planning um, it's also because usually the conversation helps me come to a resolution or helps me at least come up with more questions or, or something that, that will help me find a resolution later. Um, so it's what I love about conversations in general, not the ones with myself, but with other people, is that Jordan kind of like said, hey, I listened to the, uh, the episode that you, you talked about, you know, the difference between teaching and subbing and how subbing is affecting your desire to teach. And he kind of asked me some questions that challenged me. And I asked those questions to myself and came up with some more questions. And then I just had a conversation like five minutes ago, like I was on the phone for almost an hour with my friend Donald who is in the States and he's a teacher and he's taught in Hawaii. He's teaching right now um, in like Washington, Portland area. And he taught in Japan on a military base, uh, on a US military base. So I mean like he's been in the teaching game for a bit in these different geographical contexts and, and somewhat different like schools and grades, all obviously different like cultural contexts because every school is a different culture and geographical locations have different cultures and stuff too. But anyway, um, he's a little more seasoned than I am and he has had kind of like, we just started, started talking about, about that conversation I had with myself and I feel like through our, our conversation I came to some resolutions or I came to some, some answers I feel and usually I try to come to this without exploring the topic too much. Um, but I really feel like I, I got somewhere in that conversation with him, yet I'm going to have that conversation here anyway because I want to go more in-depth and more detailed and challenge myself more and kind of see if I can figure things out a little more. Because, like I said, I, I really think I know where I'm going with it, and usually that's not the case when I start a conversation. But I still want to have it anyway. Um, <clears throat> this all goes back to what is my ideal teaching scenario? Um, what is my ideal teaching position, job? I don't even know how I'm going to word it or title it yet, but it's something along those lines. And what I mentioned in the last video was the reasons I really love teaching. What I want to do as a teacher, what I want to accomplish, what I like about it, um, what motivates me and inspires me and keeps me happy. One is connecting with students, sincere, genuine connections, building relationships of trust, building relationships you know that are beneficial to both parties challenging each other, having conversations, um, being someone that, 
that is an advocate for the student, someone they feel safe talking to, just building those relationships, having good you know, rapport with students. The other thing is I really love teaching art in high school, like high school art, like again, I need to have that caveat, it's not just art, period. I love teaching art at that level. Uh, I like talking about concepts. I like to challenge students to think differently about art. I just love my subject area so much. Um, and I also like through art is how I want to challenge students to become better critical thinkers, uh, more engaged citizens, um, you know, have a growth mindset, all those things. And some of those are just, people are thinking of just buzzwords, but I mean like there's something that stands behind that that I really believe in. And so that, that's the other thing. There are these two things that they're not necessarily, you know, exclusive from one another. Uh, but there are these two things that sometimes you get one here and the other one goes like this. And, and it just depends on your circumstances. And so with both of these conversations that I had with both of these gentlemen, I, I just had some ideas and stuff. And so it was just kind of this thing where Jordan asked me, like, if you were in a school at the school I'm at, maybe like with this context, with this culture and how the classroom goes, like, I don't think you'd be fulfilled. Right? I don't remember if he told me that or we both just knew that even though he was asking anyway. And I was like, yeah, like, I, I, I don't, it'd be really difficult for me to be fulfilled. Classroom management is something that I struggle with. And part of it is because I don't have a desire. It's part of the job, period. It's just part of the job. I don't have a lot of experience yet to figure out my classroom management style yet. Um, obviously, the more I teach, the more I can refine that. But it's not something that comes natural to me. Uh, I, I, I think that it's something that's, when I have to discipline, it gets, I, I just don't know how to do it in a way yet that I feel is um, where I want it to be. Obviously, it's something that you can always improve, you can always evolve, you can always get better. But it's just, even, like, I felt like that was my deficit, that was my area of weakness going into teaching was classroom management. So, um, I don't think it's ever because I'm too harsh. I think it's because internally I am, I have really, like, I have really high expectations and I want, like, I don't want to make idle threats ever and I don't want to let things go over the line, but I really want to give students an opportunity to take their education seriously on their own and to be responsible for their own education. And part of that comes with just classroom behavior. Like I want them to kind of take responsibility for that without me having to say something. And sometimes, honestly, I just don't like that confrontation and that interaction. I'm not comfortable with it yet. So that is one reason why I, I like classroom cultures, school cultures that have students that are a little more well-behaved in the classroom, that also tend to be more academically focused, um, that they enjoy the academic challenge, uh, that they wanna push themselves. Sometimes those things go hand in hand. I, I would say more often than not, or the majority of time they do. However, what else goes hand in hand with that is students who may, they're not facing the same challenges that other students are. So, uh, when I talk about wanting to have these genuine relationships with students and stuff, I find that I, there's certain students that I gravitate towards and they gravitate towards me through different things. Um, <clears throat> one thing I have talked about before is that I really am in a, in a great position where I feel like my interests, hobbies, skills, experiences, 
um, are really diverse, that I feel like I can genuinely reach a variety of, of students and that, that I have this diversity in me that is able to, again, sincerely reach certain students with certain things that I'm interested in or just challenge them in a way or be available to have discussions with them. Because I do have this high academic desire, but I also, you know, have these other things I care about, uh, which are, you know, student relationships and, and, like, being a safe space for somebody, which has nothing to do with academics. You could be a student failing my class, which I've had students fail my class that I still have great relationships with today. And our connection was not built off of um, challenging, challenging them academically. I was frustrated with them academically at times. And we still talk today, even though I haven't been teaching, you know, at that school for over a year uh, or haven't taught them for like two years or longer. So there's just, yeah, I, I, I like that that ability is in me. But again, classroom management is, is something that it's really difficult for me to, to be disciplined with certain people in a way that makes me comfortable. I'm not comfortable with a certain type of confrontation, even though I'm the authority figure in the classroom. Uh, it's just something I got to figure out. And the context that Jordan was giving me was a school culture and, and classroom cultures that are way more challenging when it comes to classroom management, where teachers in high school are struggling with teaching any material to their classes because they constantly have to rein them in to being quiet, to being attentive, to not behaving like they're, you know, on an elementary school playground. Like, um, that, that's kind of the, the vibe that I got from that school already. Uh, for a bunch of reasons, and he kind of um, solidified those thoughts that I had. That it would be very difficult for a person like me, because if, if my main goal is to teach and to really explore the subject area and be excited about it, like, I get excited when my students get excited. My students don't care at all. My enthusiasm gets drained, because if they're not, if they don't care, then automatically I have behavioral issues. Because people are too busy doing other things, and then other things end up being disruptive to other people, and then just depending on the classroom, it becomes chaos, or it's just a small group that I have to discipline, or whatever. But I know that not everyone's going to be super jazzed and excited the same way I am about the subject area. It also is difficult because um, my subject area is an option course, and I know I've talked about this before, but it is an option. You don't have to be there. It is not a course subject. You don't need it to graduate. You don't need it at all. And so... Some students end up taking that course because they think it's an easy credit. Some students get pushed into it because they just need credits. And again, even teachers and admin think it'll be an easy credit. Or the students don't want to do other options that we have at the school because they don't want to be vulnerable with taking drama. I wouldn't either. Like, that's just not for me. Like, I'd feel really uncomfortable and anxious trying to do that. Um, or they don't want to take cooking or sewing or fashion studies or like there's a wealth of, of other options there. But they're like, oh, art's just going to be the easiest. And then they come to my class and it's not easy anymore. And then we got problems. Um, I know I, I don't need everyone to be super enthusiastic. I don't need everyone to be just jazzed about art. Um, but I need an openness and a willingness to actually attempt having conversations, to attempt, um, you know, answering questions, to thinking about things. And then with that, an attempt to create, an attempt to try out some skills, uh, and do something sincere. That's what I what I need. I don't again. I don't need someone who's just or, or students as a whole or the whole classroom to be crazy enthusiastic and like they're all going to be artists and they all want to you know go down some artistic path. Um, that doesn't have to be the case at all. 
but it's really difficult, you know, at times, depending on the students, the group of students and the school culture, the geographical location matters sometimes too, which we'll get into, uh, to get students who are even going to meet you halfway. And I, like I said, in a core subject, I would, I would, I think I would understand that more because it's, everyone has to take it. We all got to take English and a math and like a science for so long, um, social studies, whatever, right? That, that just has to happen at certain levels and you don't get a choice. So uh, it's just harder for me to mentally work around that like, this is an option. You don't have to be here. Don't take this class. Why are you wasting your own time not getting the credit? Like I can be really harsh at times and I try to weed people out at the beginning for everyone's sake, not just my own. But like if they're there to get an easy credit and they're coming into it with the wrong attitude, they're probably not going to get that easy credit because it's not easy. My art class isn't easy. It's not just about, well, as long as you tried. Well, no, trying means something different to me too. Like trying isn't just like scribbling something down and, and telling me what I want to hear um, about the piece. It's it's more than just skills too. Someone come in. Someone could come in with amazing skills and not want to think about the conceptual part of it at all, and they're not going to do well. Whereas someone could come in with the conceptual side and not the skills, they would do much better. Like, I definitely lean way more towards the, the concepts than the skills, but skills don't necessarily matter. Like, the skill of the mind, I guess, is what matters. The skill in wanting to have a growth mindset, to challenge yourself, to do some critical thinking, that matters more than the hard skills. Because I don't... I personally don't need photorealistic drawing skills because I don't do photorealistic art. Therefore, I don't need that. So I don't need to push students to do that. Um, I need to adhere to some curricular uh, outcomes and there are some skill-based things in there. But eventually, especially in grade 12, we get to a place where, what is it you want to do? Because I want to help you do that to the best of your ability. Um, I wish I could start that even in grade 10. But it's difficult because there's way more skill building stuff in grade 10 and that transitions, like I said, in, you know, differently. Um, and yeah, anyway, it's, it's that struggle. It's, it's like, not everyone needs to come in wanting to, you know, be like arts cheerleader and like the arts, like wear it on their sleeve and whatever. Uh, but there has to be this openness and that just isn't there a lot of the time. So therefore classroom management stuff is essential. Um, I need to discipline behaviors. I need to do what, is, what I call babysitting. And I don't like it. I'm not there to babysit, especially students in their teens, late teens, mid-teens. Like, I'm just not there to do it. That's not what I'm there for. That is not why I want to teach because that isn't teaching. That is not teaching my subject area, put it that way. I do like to take opportunities, um, teachable opportunities, or I don't know, different people have different labels for it, um, that have nothing to do with my subject area. Like, I, I do want to take opportunities, I take opportunities to, to have teachable moments that have nothing to do with art or critical thinking or whatever that maybe have to do with how we treat other people, you know, like about being a responsible human, about being a nice human, or I shouldn't say nice because I don't care about nice that much, it depends on the context. Uh, everything has a caveat with me, but to, to be someone that you yourself would respect, I don't know, the golden rule, there's so many things, right? Like. That, that are teachable. So classroom management, sometimes like when there's behavioral issues, it gives me an opportunity to teach those other things. But I find that usually, maybe I'm not good at seeing them or seizing them. I'm not good at recognizing this is a good opportunity and, and I'm also not good at um, 
taking that opportunity when I do see it and making it the best it could be and really being like, oh, hold on here. I have an opportunity to talk to these students about why they shouldn't be using gay as a slur or using it as an insult or whatever, right? Like that's happened before or why they shouldn't be breaking my art supply. Like it's sometimes it's so difficult because I'm just like, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? Like I get so frustrated so quick at times when the, the behavior to me is completely unacceptable that I don't even know how to handle the situation and I have to. It's like, I can't ignore it. I have to talk about it and I don't know how to talk about it. And the more situations like that I get, the more I will be comfortable, the better I will be at handling them. But uh, I'm still scared of those situations right now. And it's not in my interest to want to babysit the class. I want to teach the class. I want to have conversations with the class. I want to give students the space to challenge themselves. Um, huh. So I kind, of, I kind of mentioned there's this up and down, like... I just realized if you're listening to the podcast, you haven't seen my hand motions. Um, but I find that that, that there are... Uh, I, I mentioned geographical location might play a role. So if we are in a neighborhood, the school is located in an area of the city that is not privileged, underprivileged, at-risk youth, um, if it's in, a, yeah, just a place where we've got low-income housing because it's ne necessary... Just a lot of stuff is happening there, whether or not there be more crime, other priorities, there's poverty, things going on, family isn't as supportive or great or whole or complete or whatever it needs to be. Um, there's all these other issues going on in a lot of those places. <clears throat> and for the most part, if you live close to that school within X amount of kilometers, like there's a formula for you know different cities and districts have different setups, you have to live within a certain amount of kilometers to the school that determines that you go to that school. You're on this side of the city, you go to that school. You're on that side, across the river, you go to that school. So school cultures are, you know, sometimes made up of the demographics of students, but also we've got, you know, teachers and admin and, and staff as a whole, I mean, whether you be a caretaker or, or whatever, that you are part of that school culture too. However, the demographics, the student body overwhelmingly um, is the higher... Uh, percentage of the of the humans in the school, so that's something that that you have to to work with. Um, so if we're in a school that is filled with students who have a lot of challenges, where they don't even know if they're going to eat that night, or they have to go to work right after, or they have kids of their own, or they have to go and babysit their younger siblings because mom has to go work two jobs or, you know, like whatever the reasons are, or maybe, you know, with some things come other, other issues, whether it be violence in the home and abuse and stuff. And that, that stuff could happen anywhere. It could happen in super like privileged families as well. It, 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 I'm not saying that it only happens in cases where people are underprivileged financially, uh, or, or however you want to word it. Um, but statistically, I think there is, you know, some lines there that I don't want to perpetuate stereotypes, but it seems like sometimes we've got these things in our minds that, that might actually be true because statistically they just are. You've got different priorities because we're focused on trying to figure out how we're going to make rent next month. We don't have the luxury of worrying about our academics as much. So I'm very aware of that. And... 
those students that maybe are not concerned with academics whatsoever because they can't, it's, or not that they can't be, it's very challenging for them to have that priority when they've got other things going on outside of school. Um, I resonate with a lot of those students for a lot of reasons. And I feel like some of those students I can reach in a way, not necessarily because I'm going to make them care about the subject matter and try to help them through school and let them see that maybe academics could be, this is a long-term game that they can actually put time and energy into as best as they can, and it will help them out of their current situation, because I do have some belief in that, um, or just, you know, building some critical thinking skills, right? Like that, that helps you no matter what in your life. Um, there's certain things there where I connect with them way more than I would connect with a school on, we would say, the opposite side of the city that has a lot of students that are incredibly privileged. I feel like my upbringing was in the middle. And I feel like experiences that I had by myself, you know, being involved in the legal system, uh, in my starting, I guess, in my early teens, and that continued until like my early 20s. Um, there's different experiences that I've had, different people that I've been around, um, and I, I've just come to be part of different worlds up and down and, and just I'm a little more well-rounded in that way than being like, oh yeah, I just fit into this box or fit into that box. So I definitely feel more comfortable sometimes with underprivileged students than I do when I go to a school that has a lot of privilege and luxury and um, they have different problems. There's different pressures put on those students and maybe some of that pressure is way more academic and that's not necessarily a good thing, right? Um, they've got different things going on and still, you know, family life could still be a mess. Like who knows what's happening? But for the most part, they're not worrying about getting a next meal. They're not worrying about having to, to work jobs while they go to school or, you know, have to, again, babysit while, like, I mean, not that people don't babysit, but I mean, like, it's not as much of a necessity or a liver the die situation. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to pay rent. Am I going to be homeless? Am I couch hopping right now while I go to school? Did I even eat breakfast? Like, those are things that a lot of those students don't have to worry about, or maybe any of them have to worry about if they're living in a geographical area that, you know, it, it takes, I mean, it, it, there's a correlation between my rent costs, or they don't have rent, they own homes versus people that, that are in low income housing and that are getting government assistance because they need to. There's this huge disparity there. And with those financial disparities, there also come different priorities that people may have. Uh, I think there's a direct correlation there and you can definitely challenge me on that and educate me on that, please. Um, but that's what I see and that's what my experience tells me and just, I don't want to make blanket statements. I'm trying really hard not to. I feel like I can, I can make m some genuine connections with students on both ends of those spectrums. But when I go to a, a school that is in an area of town that has way more money, I find that I just, I don't fit in. I feel awkward. I don't like it. I find that the classroom is equally challenging behaviorally, but in different ways, uh, or it can be equally challenging because sometimes students are incredibly spoiled in those scenarios. And sometimes the parents also feel like they have um, more say than, than they do, or they challenge you to a degree which seems unacceptable or odd, and they make things difficult, and they think they know best, and, and whatever else in scenarios where 
they are not teachers themselves, they don't know what the curriculum demands, they don't understand the school system or the structures in place or whatever else. Those are some things that have happened. So um, equal opportunity for there to be behavioral issues, but they're different behavioral issues. Uh, usually I'm not worried about violence um, at a school that is more in, in a privileged area of town. Um, or I'm not really worried about my physical well-being. Uh, I'm more concerned about, you know, people not wanting to listen because they think they know better than me and they don't care and they don't think that they have any responsibility to someone, there's no consequences to them, uh, or to their actions. Whereas, at the opposite end of the spectrum, I think they're very aware there's consequences, they just don't care about those consequences sometimes, so they've got bigger fish to fry and other things to worry about, and school's not one of them. So, whereas other, other times they just feel like the law doesn't apply. Like, again, there's, there's a lot of parallels, there's a lot of things going on there. <clears throat> However, when I do get into a classroom where the majority of students are more academically inclined, where maybe they go to that school because it's more known as an art school, because they have the room, the space, they have like natural light, they, they built the school maybe with those things in mind, right? Like they built an art room that is spacious, natural light, M might have like, uh, you know, different supplies, different like it might have like a spray paint booth it might have like proper ventilation and we have different budgets and all those things when you go to that space and you've got students that are excited and want to work that's one of the, the it's just amazing it's it's really fantastic to be in that space um it's almost like being in university again sometimes the energy that it's like hell yeah we're all here to work we're all here for the same reason we all love art we want to like work on our craft, we want to challenge ourselves, like, yes, like, that's what I'm here for. Those scenarios are fantastic. But with that, again, comes other things that may not be so great. And I don't have as much opportunity to connect with students who may need someone to connect with. Um, again, students in that scenario have challenges. Yes, they do. They have problems. Everybody does. They're sometimes different problems. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're the same. So obviously, there could be abuse in the home in either thing. There could be broken homes kind of in either thing or in either scenario in context. There could be a lot of similar issues, but at the end of the day, this person's not worried about eating. That person is sometimes. And um, with that come a host of other priorities and, and luxuries and time, you know, time, space, energy, uh, you know, to think about about school or to want to be motivated to work on that or whatever. So I, I would find in those scenarios, I wouldn't get as much of this emotional charge um, to connect with students. I'd connect through them through the academic side of things, but don't get this connection with, with students struggling that can come to me feeling like I'm a, a safe space that they're not finding maybe at home or somewhere else. I, and I believe that doesn't, it just doesn't happen as much in these schools that have more... Um, financial means or the students that go to the schools have more financial means and are more privileged. Okay, so that was a really long-winded setup. Um, what I was gonna say beforehand, before I had this conversation with Donald, was that I feel like the best thing is the middle ground. The school that I interned at and the school that I had a contract at were very, very similar. They're in an area or the area of town that is not as privileged as any other area of town. So we've got a certain demographic there um, that, that has to do with mostly finances as to why they live in that area. However, 
The schools offer programs that other schools in the city don't, one of them being the IB program, the International Baccalaureate program, and that program draws students from anywhere in the city because if they don't have that program at another school, you would get an exemption to come to this school despite the fact that you live on the other side of the city because the school in your area doesn't have that program. And that makes a way more diverse setup in the student body, and I like that. I think it's good for the students, and it's definitely good for the staff. I think it's great for everybody. Um, I think it gives both... Well, there's more than just both. It's not just a binary system. But it gives all the students uh, a, a great experience in how to operate in the world, to understand different cultures, um, not just like... Uh, cultures that are attached to ethnicity or anything like that, but I mean just like where you're coming from in your life. What is the context of your life and how to operate in, in a system that, that is more realistic after high school, I would say, for the most part, where you're going to run in and have relationships with different kinds of people. I think that's one thing that's really great. But also for me, I found that, hey, I'm in a school that is in this area of town, so I'm getting a lot of students that their priorities may be different. They're coming, like, we, there's a lot of immigrants in those areas, too, that are fresh to Canada that are, you know, needing to come into low-income housing, um, things like that. So we get a lot of immigrant students. So we have English language learners in, the, in that school. We've got people who, again, are incredibly underprivileged that don't have as many opportunities as other people have. Um, again, some of those people are, are not even knowing where they're going to sleep that night or if they're gonna eat that night or whatever. So we've got school programs that are focused on things that have nothing to do with academics, like feeding people, like having breakfast for, for everybody or, or whatever those things are. Or we recognize as a staff and a school and, and we build this culture of connecting with students that you don't even have a class with uh, through something like an advisory program and being able to be a safe space a friendly face to a student that you have never taught, that you don't know that well, or, or whatever, that you build those relationships. Um, then we've got, you know, these more academic students coming in. We've got an academic program that's really demanding and challenging to students. Um, and they're there too, and they're integrating. And I find that that setup just was amazing to me. I fell into that position twice without seeking it out, it was like I went to that school because I was told to go to that school for interning. I didn't get a choice. You know, I, <clears throat> the school that I had the contract, it was like, holy crap, like I subbed and then I fell into this contract because it was a medical leave and it was just like, wow, like this is exactly where I want to be, teaching what I want to teach um, to this diverse group of uh, students. Um, that was really the best setup for me, I feel. Because now that I'm looking for work, this question is on my mind more and more. Where do I want to teach? Like, where, where am I not going to apply to? I don't know the culture of the school before I get there. I just know the programs they offer. I know, I don't, I don't even know their geographical location, what that means to me. Like, I, I don't go and spend hours of research before I apply to a school and say, where is this? Let me call around and try to find people. Let me go on Reddit and see, is this like a crappy neighborhood? And what does that mean if it is a crappy neighborhood? What is the school like? Like... Those aren't things that I just go and research before I apply. So sometimes the programming and stuff or the mission statement, uh, the website gives me some idea of what the school focuses on, um, but that's about it. And so I'm just finding like, where do I want to work? What is my ideal scenario? My ideal scenario is 
the two scenarios I've already been in through interning and that, that contract um, is a school that is in an area of a city that may have less privilege, but they also have uh, programs that draw in students from everywhere in that city because other schools maybe don't offer them. Uh, programs that are challenging academically. So I get a mix of students. That creates, I just find a really great scenario. For me, I get the best of both worlds and I definitely connect with students that, like there's, there's students that go there that are there for the IB program that again, I connect with beyond academics. Um, but we, we can connect through a mutual love of, of things that are more cerebral sometimes. Um, and sometimes we connect on other, on other issues too, or that they, they can come to me and, and tell me things that we can build relationships that have nothing to do with academics. Um, and vice versa, right? Like I can connect with students that are underprivileged on academics too, because for some reason we've been able to, to just get there or they were already there before I, I came along and it just works. Um, but that amount of diversity is what I really want. <laughs> uh, that amount of diversity is an environment that I feel I work best in and that I desire. Now in saying that, when I do have a really bad day with classroom management and classroom behavior, I, I always go to like, man, I just wish I was in a private school where they just, these behavioral issues wouldn't be there, that the, the students are there, they're disciplined, the expectations are known, they rise to the occasion, they are there to be academic, whatever. I know that if I was in that situation, then I'd be looking the other way and the grass is greener on the other side, but like, um, talking with Donald, he, he reminded me that both of those things are situations you can work in. That um, one, maybe just being because I want to be there for the right reasons, that I, I want to teach for the right reasons, that if I was in a school that had a lot of behavioral issues and I'm, I'm doing more babysitting and that is stressing me out because I can't actually teach any material, that I can change the culture of my classroom. And that's something that takes time to do, but I can do it. I can change the culture of my classroom. I can change the the reputation of it. Um, I can, you know, have different expectations in my classroom than the students would have in other ones. And uh, I also can just, yeah, <laughs> that, that maybe through, you know, building these relationships, students would start caring more about critical thinking, about whatever else that they didn't prioritize before because they didn't, they didn't feel the need to for whatever reason. And maybe I can pass that along to them despite their other circumstances. Um, so maybe I can get the most, best of both worlds there. Um, and on the flip side, like I said, in a, in a school where maybe there's way more discipline, um, way more pressure on academics, or that they're, they're, they, they want to be there academically, like sometimes I find that students will tell you what they want to hear because they're so focused on the mark that even they're not there for the right reasons because they're not actually wanting to push themselves. They just want a mark. And so that challenges them too. And that will challenge them uh, to actually care about the subject matter in a different way or focus on it in a different way and maybe treat academics in general in a different way and treat themselves in a different way and challenge themselves and be, you know, actually have a genuine growth mindset rather than just worried about marks because that scenario doesn't work either. Like telling me what I want to hear, I see through that pretty quick. And uh, just the way that I've set up my assignments and my stuff through the curriculum doesn't doesn't applaud students who tell me what I want to hear. There's no right answer. 
a lot of the time. It's not like math where this is the formula, either you're right or wrong, either you get me the answer or you don't. Um, that's not the way it is. It actually takes some real effort uh, the way that I've set up my classroom. So with that though, obviously students in those really privileged areas that may be more disciplined, there's less babysitting or there's less behavioral issues, there's less opportunity for me to need classroom management skills and to be concerned with that. Um, the students feel like they're in a very safe space, blah, 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 blah. Then I've got new ways to challenge them, right? New ways to engage them. And some of those students probably will struggle with some stuff that has, you know, that, that has nothing to do with academics that maybe we can build relationships over. Uh, I, it lies with me into having the right attitude, right? Um, I still think that I want to focus on high school. Not think. I know I want to focus on high school. Depending on how desperate I am in the moment, I know that I also might be swayed into getting into a middle school art program. I really don't know if I would do that in elementary school, but maybe it really depends. I mean, there's so few jobs out there but, that, that are applicable to me in Alberta and Saskatchewan especially. There's a little more in BC, but um, I want to be teaching. And getting a foot in the door, meaning I can transfer from here to here a little easier, you know... I, I want to be teaching, so I might change my grade level, you know, but I really, I really know that at the end of the day, like, I need to still be, well, I don't know, it's so rough. I have a desire to teach a certain thing, and yes, that does go with the maturity of the students that I'm attaching to grade level at times, and that's not always the way it works, but um, the, the curriculum is different there too. I want to be teaching concepts. I don't want to be teaching all just like hard skills or doing craft corner with the kids. That's not what I want to do. So I, I guess that is the thing that would make me happiest with the context. And as for the demographic of the school and how that works, that's up to me. How do I want to operate my classroom? How do I want to reach out to students? Find different ways to engage and, and different ways to build rapport and things like that. When that context changes, whereas the subject areas and the, the levels, I don't want that context to change, but as for the demographics and stuff, that can change, and I want to roll with the punches with that. So that is my super long answer as to the ideal situation is the schools that I were already at, but I feel like I could be of use and be of benefit and it would benefit me to be on either side of the spectrum with those different types of demographics and schools and anywhere in between I can make that work and I won't go home every day kicking myself and maybe I will for a while because I feel like I'm not getting anywhere uh, with students but I feel like with time I will rise to that occasion and this makes me feel much better about where I've been at. We'll see you on another time.